That's why you can't always rely on your co-host. What is going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Adam Johnson, and this week we have a very special guest coming to us all the way from Cleveland, Ohio. One of our top tier patrons and coaching people and all around interesting dude, Creston Heltzel from Alt95. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here because it literally would have not been the show if we I didn't have a co-host. I mean, I can only do this part for so long without needing somebody to like say something. So thank you very much for uh, for being here. Yeah, for sure. So for those people who don't know you or may not have gone through the two-part coaching series part of the conversation we've had on the show, can you give the folks out there a little introduction of who you are, what you, where you came from, what you're doing, and how you ended up here? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my name is Creston Heltzel. Like, like Adam said, I live in Cleveland, the mistake by the lake, and I, I play in cover bands because it's fun when I'm not working. How did I get here, though? I mean, like most people, right? Teenager, get your first guitar. It's mainly to meet girls. Yep. Got mixed results. Same. Did eventually, did, eventually, did eventually meet my wife, though, So and she enjoys it. So she likes to sing pretty well, so we get to do that together. But, you know, went through high school, started hanging out in, you know, budget recording studios in Youngstown, Ohio. That's about an hour south of here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recording on, you know, Tascam eight tracks and, you know, four tracks and stuff like that. Went to school in Nashville, lived there for a while. So wait, wait, studios. where did you go to school in Nashville? I went to SAE. Oh, okay. Of so, the, of the um, many, like, music industry schools you could have gone to, that is one of them. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, there weren't that many. There was the recording workshop in Chillicothe, Ohio, which is a little south, a ways south of here. Mm -hmm. Crass was around at the time, the conservatory in Arizona. Full Sail was just kind of picking up steam. Yeah. But yeah, so I went to SAE and, uh, you know, went to school, interned, worked a staff position after internships while working at Guitar Center, sleeping like two hours a night. And, you know, I, I got kind of lucky when I was working at Guitar Center. This dude came in like five minutes to nine and I'm vacuuming the pro audio department. And I'm just like, really, dude? Like, come on. But ended up becoming a good friend and went from being a good friend to being a business partner. And he was an Aussie that was moving his label to Nashville, small indie label with a couple of artists and ended up helping him out back in Sydney. We built a studio about a half hour outside of Nashville in Arrington, Tennessee, which uh, is famous for having Kicks Brooks of Brooks and Dunn. His uh, winery is there. Nice. And uh, yeah, man, you know, and just worked in the industry for a while, eventually kind of got burnt out. You know, it's not what you think it's going to be. I think a lot of the time, you know, you think you're going to work on all these great projects and stuff and, and you got to, you got to pay the bills somehow. So you end up, you end up working on anybody will come in and, and, you know, pay. So, but, you know, came back to Ohio and uh, after a couple of years, you know, just really started to get the itch to play again and to play out and started putting get bands together with my little brother. And uh, yeah, man, just, just kind of been doing it for fun and whatever. And I mean, end of the day, I think like most of us, you know, music is, it's a constant, you know? <laughs> So yeah. if I can, if I can play with some cool guys and have a good time and make a little bit of money and you know, that's, that's kind of the deal. So yeah, man, that, that's, yeah, well, that's it's a quick it's, rundown. Well, yeah. I mean the very similar kind of, you know, experiences coming from trying to be 
a person who makes it in the quote unquote industry and then seeing the industry for what it actually is and realizing maybe I don't want to make it in this industry. And because, uh, right. yeah, I, 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 like I said, I've, I've said it multiple times. I served my nickel in Nashville and, and, you know, saw it for what it was. And it can be a place with a lot of cool opportunities and it can also be an absolutely desolate, depressing place to live. So I, I understand why people want to go there. And I also understand why people leave and go do other things. So as far as like music goes, as far as like creating and like recording and that kind of thing, was it, was that initially the goal was to, you know, work on, on big records or record your own stuff? Like what, what was your primary, you know, purpose for, for yeah. going into that, into that field of work? So, you know, I mean, it initially started playing in original bands, like in high school, right? Mm -hmm. And and shortly after high school, it, SAE wasn't the first place I went to college, but it was the first place I didn't drop out. There you go. So, but yeah, you know, and so it was, you know, I had to learn. I've always been into computers. I've always been into technology since, since I was a little kid. My stepdad's a software engineer. I, like, I learned basic on a Commodore, right? Like, you know, you're... <laughs> and so as technology started to come more and more into music, whether it's, you know, pro tools, just digital recording in general, I started to get way more interested in it. And I went from not terribly being satisfied playing in bands. And I had a hell of a lot more fun building websites for my friends' bands, recording my friends' bands, you know, doing stuff like dumping a four track one track at a time into cool edit pro. Oh yeah, man. Sound that was my, know, that was like, the, my first DAW was cool edit pro. It was a great, yeah, it was a great program. A oh yeah. I mean, you know, and then we burn the CDs and print up the labels on a printer and stamp them on and you know, the whole thing. And, and I really enjoyed it. So when I went to Nashville, the idea was, you know, maybe I could, you know, intern and work my way into some stuff. And it was cool, man. I mean, you know, I got to go to Australia for eight months, which was incredible i got to work with all kinds of cool gear even after i was out of school and, and install large consoles we had a, a neve 8128 at our place in nashville nice which was cool it was a weird console but it was cool but yeah you know that that was really it i got i did get to work on some some cool sessions i got to i got to be a fly on the wall for some some crazy stuff and <laughs> and you know i've got stories that i can't share publicly or anything but you know it was we'll a, save it for the patreon it was a time feed. there we go yeah but it, yeah it was a time you know and it was great you know that's you know i thought maybe i could make a go of it and whatever but now i still do mix work not a ton of it but i'll do little projects here and there i was playing an original band in cleveland not too long ago called who hit me mm -hmm. and i did a lot of our stuff in terms of like production and mixing and stuff like that and yeah, it serves me well so Good. get get a lot of now I get a lot of live sound gigs. Yeah. So so I still do I still do a fair bit of that. And your actual like profession, like your daytime job, is what? <laughs> I work for a software company. In what field? So it started off more on more on a technical side. I've kind of been moving away from that and more into a like a process engineering and project management kind of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which is cool. It's different. You know, you can't stay stagnant and do the same thing all the time, I guess. So keeps me on my toes. And nice. yeah, so it's can't get to work from home. You yeah. Know, can't complain. For sure. And as far as getting into cover cover bands after 
all of his other stuff. What was the the impetus behind that? That was really like I hadn't, you know, I had, when I left Nashville, I sold a ton of gear mm-hmm. because it was it was at the height of the the downturn in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yep, not that many people recording, not that many people doing a whole heck of a lot, and it wasn't until twenty sixteen when I started gigging again. That was. It, it was like, I just need to do this. I hadn't, I hadn't really played guitar a lot in those years. Like I always had an acoustic around, uh, you know, just a strum sitting in front of the TV or whatever. But like, I wasn't really serious about it. My chops had gone to crap <laughs> and yeah. And, and, and I was like, you know what I had at the time I had, I'd gotten divorced from my first wife, which was, it doesn't matter. It was, like, it was a, it was a quick, you know, that was a bad idea kind of thing. And I'm just better. sitting there like, what am I, what am I going to do with my time? And mm-hmm. so I just went to Guitar Center and I, I picked up like a $500 like modern player telly and a Mustang amp. And I'm like, I want something that kind of does all the things because I don't know what I'm going to do with this yet. And uh, I just started playing it. And my brother, who's a far better guitar player than I am, who also went to school in Nashville, he went to Belmont. Mm-hmm. So he got the, he got the real schooling. Yeah. But, you know, we we're like, dude, let's start a band. Let's start a band like we had when we were in high school, like with our high school buddies, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we did. And, you know, we just played a bunch of gigs and that eventually just kind of came to an end. Cause it, it was a lot of guys that just, nobody's really serious about keeping it going. You know, it was like, yeah. can we put, can we play for a bar tab for our friends and just kind of screw around? You know, I mean, like we were playing everything from like weird Swedish punk bands to blondie tunes to the replacements to the cl- the clash, like just, I mean, all over the map, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just like, what do we want to play? And it was fun. And it was after that, that I, that I started to get a lot more serious because I was like, you know what? I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And my, I was dating my future. Well, my current, I was dating my, my wife at the time and her dad is a drummer. And he was like, he had filled in for us on drums and the, the other band a couple of times. And he was playing with this other group and he's like, Hey man, we need a guitar player. And I'm like, all right. And then it was like off and running gigging every other weekend, just, you know, sometimes back to back day after day. And I, I was just like, I love this. This is great. I don't have to worry about writing songs. I just have to play them and show up and have fun and make music with cool people. So here I am <laughs> still nice. doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point we kind of get to the, the realization, like, I just want to do this because it's fun. and then there's the part of it that like we want to create we want to be able to do things and but also it not completely rule our life and be something that is like detrimental to our <laughs> to our, our finances and mental health and all of the other things that go along with that so sometimes it's nice to not rely on your your creativity as your as a way to provide your livelihood but in yeah, you know for sure i mean i still think it's i think it's important for people to treat it like a like a, a profession and I think if you are making more than the bar tab, that 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 is the distinction that you you have earned. But yeah, it can be uh, it can be kind of tough reconciling that. I know that you know everybody kind of goes through that whole thing. I think it's I think you have to. No one under the age of thirty can hear that and go, "Yes, I understand." I just like I feel like it takes you have to take ten years of just doing you know beating your head against the wall before you can be like, "Okay, maybe there's another way." Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So, it's yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's all good. So, how did you run into the podcast then? 
So I ran into the podcast. It wasn't long after y'all started. I was just looking up. I think I was Googling like, you know, music podcasts or whatever. Cause I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I will listen to podcasts like all day, all the time, going to bed at night while I'm working, whatever. I'm a big fan of long form discussion, regardless of the topic, as long as it's an interesting one. Yeah. And so I started listening to, 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 to y'all's podcast because I was like, I, I listened to one episode and I couldn't tell you which one it was or whatever, but, but it was back when you guys had just gotten Chauvet as a sponsor for a little mm-hmm. while. So, so it was, it was a while back and I was like, Hey, I'm in a cover band. I'm like, I like the band I'm in. I think there's things that we could improve upon. There's other, you know, and I was like, this is great. And I just started listening and I was like, here's some guys, pardon me. Here's some guys that are talking about stuff that I'm into that have more experience than I do that seem to be, you know, that are more successful at it. And I think I can learn something. So that was the, you know, and I have, yeah. And that was the cool thing is like, you know, I'd hear things and learn things and hear suggestions and be able to actually go and put those things into practice and see results. Yeah. And I think that was really cool. Well, so you know, thinking about that timeline, you you hopped on as a patron fairly recently. So, what was the like impetus of going? Well, I've been listening long enough, and now I I, I want to actually like shift gears and and kind of be more involved in the in the community on that front. Like, what was the uh, what was the impetus for that transition? Yeah. So initially, it was so. Just after, let's see, I think it was, was it 2021? Yeah, it was last year. It was around, it's around June of last year. I ceased playing in the band that I had been playing in. I was playing in a band here in town called The Goods. Mm-hmm. You know, your basic 90s, right? Drums, acoustic, electric, bass. That was, you know, real, real great band. Excellent, you know, excellent guys, excellent experience. They're real good. I still go see them play. I'm still great friends with the the singer. And, but I had some stuff going on in my own life, just with some family stuff and whatever, and the death in the family and some crazy stuff. And I had to cancel a bunch of dates mm-hmm. and that kind of turned into, well, you know, if you can't really, do you care if we bring this other guy back in that used to play? And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you when I could be back. Yeah. I couldn't tell, you know, and I'm like, you guys run with it. I'm good. Right. And since then I've sat in with them and stuff and, you know, but, but I'd gotten out of it and I'm like, all right, well, I want to put my own band together and I want to do a cover band the way that, that you guys talk about doing it. Mm -hmm. I want to do, I want people on in-ears. I want tracks. I want crowd, not that you have to have those things. Right. But like, I want to do it in a more professional way rather than just a group of guys that are like. Uh, we'll put a Facebook page up and never post anything on it and spend five bucks on the ad buy for each gig and eh, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe we'll make 300 bucks. Maybe we won't. Who, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm not an incredible guitar player. I'm pretty good. I, I think I have the talent to, to do something and, and get out there and maybe do something different. And that was when I first joined as a patron, like at the $5, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. Cause I'm like, I want to talk to people in the second channel yeah right and i wanted to hear the you know the the members only no pun intended section content you know and here what you guys were talking about off of the podcast and that quickly turned into like you know what this is really worth it and i'm getting a lot of good stuff out of this and 
I'm the kind of person that if I really like something, I will support it in any way I can. You know, whether that's a friend's band, a podcast, you know, anything like that, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was really it. I felt like I was getting a lot of great value out of it. And I thought for, for what y'all were providing me, right. And I, I mean that in terms of like you and Dan, but also everybody in the Slack channel mm-hmm. was invaluable. And yeah. so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I, you know, 30 bucks I've spent, I've spent, I've spent that kind of money on stupider stuff. So fair enough. I think we all have. Oh yeah. So twenties. Oh yeah, man. So, you know, the, the, the thing about being at the top tier of, of the Patreon is that you get, you know, some perks, one of them being the band coaching. And for those of you who didn't know, potentially co-hosting the show is one of those perks as well. So you're getting like the one, two punch, you're getting the, uh, the full treatment. So, but I, I wanted to, I didn't know about the co-hosting thing. That yeah. Was a the, surprise. Or maybe, I don't know. That was a surprise. I was like, hell yeah, dude, why not? Yeah. So the, as far as the coaching goes, so like talk, t- talk to us about alt 95, talk about, you know, kind of talking to your guys about getting coaching. Cause I feel like that could, that could potentially be like a hard sell for a, a band that's just getting started. Like, why should we listen to these guys or, or, or anything like that? So how, how did that whole conversation go over? Yeah. Oh, I, I kind of sprung it on them to be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, I had told the guys about the podcast. I, you know, I've been telling people about the podcast for a couple of years and especially people I play in a band. I'm like, you guys got to listen to this. this is great. They talk about this. They're talking about, you know, you know, that issue we ran into with this, that, or the other thing they talked about that. Like, you know, here's a different perspective. And so I just kind of sprung it on them. I was like, Hey guys, you know, a podcast I talk about all the time. Do you want to go on there and do like, you know, like a coaching session and we can talk about like, you know, we're a new band and what we're doing and, and how we're going about it and, and get the take of some guys that, that are, are really making their way with this. Right. And, and they're like, yeah, why not? Right. And uh, they were pretty open to it. And I think part of that is that like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that I have a dictatorial attitude in bands. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that bands function well as democracies to a certain degree. I think that, you know, I think that you do need to have band leaders and I, and while everybody's opinion and desires and everything is all valid, mm. I think that it can get difficult when, especially when people are, are friends, right. Yeah. Or in the case of, of my drummer and I, right. He's my father-in-law. Yeah. Like literal um, family. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, I feel like the outside perspective was really important, you know, from, from other guys that are doing it because like, sure. We could talk to other bands that we're friends with in town. Right. Mm-hmm. But there aren't really a lot of other bands that are, I, I want to say, up and coming around here that are approaching things the way that that we are. Yeah. Right. There's, uh, you know, we've we've played with bands and filled in with bands that the the band that that Brad was previously in, you know, they don't they don't really do the tracks so much. Brad would use an SPD with them and some drum samples, and they and they've since done a little more tracks, you know. But they're more of a run and gun kind of rock and roll you know, let's turn it up and kick it out. Right. Kind of, kind of vibe. Yeah. And you know, and there, there's other bands that, that we know and we're friends with that we could talk to about stuff, but like there wasn't anybody that was really had really been going about it the way that we were, which was, you know, Brad and I started talking about this, putting this band together almost a year ago. Now it would be September of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we found our bass player. And it was, 
<laughs> literally like, Hey man, yeah, that's great. Let's get you out. Let's audition. I'm going to be gone on my honeymoon for a week. I'll hit you up when I'm back and we'll get going. Like, yeah. so that, that, you know, there wasn't really that many people that I knew of that were like, all right, let's get a logo. What kind of band are we? Let's get the website up. Let's get the socials up. Let's start like really getting the branding and, and what this is together up front. Mm-hmm. Right. So that we have something that if we want to go book a gig, we can present to people and say, Hey, this is us. Yeah. Right. And uh, so I think that that was really valuable to do the coaching. And I think the guys thought so too. I mean, I think, you know, you could probably guess what I think one of the most valuable things that we took out of that coaching session. Well, was. Yeah. So the, the thing that I really wanted to, to ask you is that, you know, if for anybody who, who hasn't listened to both of those episodes, you should, because I think there's good stuff for anybody who's trying to do what we're doing. It, it kind of, it, I wouldn't necessarily call it a pile on, but like your, your sensibilities, your preferences, your kind of the way that you viewed things was kind of scrutinized. And I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't call it a pile on necessarily, but like, you know, there was some, there was some acknowledgement of some tension about the way that things had, had been kind of discussed previously. So, you know, uh, from your end, how did that feel? You know, where, you know, uh, outside people were kind of validating something that was contrary to, you know, what you would prefer, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so for, for anybody that hasn't gone and listened to that, just the real quick and short version of it is like coming from an audio engineering background and stuff like that. I I can get obsessive about like making sure that, that things that could otherwise be trivial are very specific questions about we're using tracks. Do we send the sound guy stems, right? Do we send him like eight different channels and he can mix it all together? Or we do him a mono track. Which should he prefer? What's more like, and I yeah. get hung up on things like that. Right. Yeah. And about like production things and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, are are we covering all the parts in the song and so on and so forth? And, uh, you know, everybody was like, you know, the, the big, the big thing that was, that was, that was given to me was, you know, every time you ask yourself these things, right. You got to ask yourself, does the audience care? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, to me, like you call it a pile on, I mean, I didn't feel like that. I tend to take criticism pretty well, especially if it's well-placed mm-hmm. right you know if it's uh, if if there's validity to it and and there's validity to that you know what i mean and uh, in retrospect since the coaching sessions and really kind of taking on that mantra it has helped enormously i think it, it definitely helps clarify you know be For when sure. with people who are kind of analytical or wanting to get certain things a certain way it it is a good mantra to kind of like help make decisions quickly and and trust me nobody understands that more than i do because i've definitely been that it been that person and continue to be that person and you know I, as i had said previously i was like i i probably should take some of my own advice in these scenarios because i i've definitely been on the other side of that and asked those questions and gotten totally in the weeds over things but it, it seemed like it um it did help put some stuff into focus for you guys and put you on the right track to prep for this first show that that happened a couple of weeks ago. So you guys got a chance to talk and sort some things out, and then you had a couple of weeks to prep, and then the show actually happened. So how did that whole post coaching sesh kind of play out before the gig? 
Yeah, I think that like as we we're as we we're prepping for it, we we had I think two I think two rehearsals mm-hmm. uh, between the coaching session and and the gig, and we've had two we've had a total of two gigs since we just had our our second one this past weekend. And I think that I think that more of the coaching session and more of the advice from that uh, made it into the second gig than the first. But in terms of the first gig, I think what it really helped was really just get us to focus on playing as a band and forgetting all the other nonsense. And it really helped that it was, you know, it was a, a summer festival for, for a big church parish and it was very pro huge stage, you know, line array, lots of subs, pro sound, right? We just went in, set up, good to go. And it wasn't a long gig. I think we played like an hour and 15 minutes or something. We were opening mm-hmm. for a, a Queen tribute act. And so I think that, I think it helped us relax. And the first gig wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but, you know, we were shaking the dust off, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was um, our bass player had done some fill-in gigs recently with his old band. Before that, Brad, our drummer, he, that dude is like, he seems to be the on-call drummer for most of this town for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because he's good and, and he can learn songs really quick. You know, he's he's great, you know. So they'd been playing a lot. I had not been playing a lot. I had done a couple fill-in gigs over the past year, but, you know, I play at church on Sundays and stuff, but that's mm-hmm. not you know, that's, that's a heck of a lot different praise and worship gigs, a heck of a lot different than, than getting up on stage in front of a bunch of strangers and playing cover band tunes and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I think it, I think it, I think it really helped with our nerves and, you know, we repeated that, you know, it, it has become a mantra in the band Mm -hmm. that does the audience care. It really has. It's, you know, so much so that I thought, you know, like I'm saying it to people, I'm like, dude, Mm -hmm. the audience care. No. All right, cool. Was, you know so yeah was, i think i think a lot more of it made its way into the second gig and in preparation for that yeah well what were the main takeaways after the the first gig wraps like what were the things that you're like all right you know what do, these are the things we need to tweak in order to make this the second one kind of you know count or or put us in the right spot i think some of the big takeaways from the first one really were preparation and trying to work together a little more trying to make sure that we're running songs more and getting through them and not getting hung up on stupid little things. Right. Because so, you know, because we run tracks, right. You know, any of us can log into karaoke version and download whatever version of something we want, Mm -hmm. you know, for anybody that's not used karaoke version.com. I think it's karaoke hyphen version. Yes. You can go in and buy a backing track and you can literally go in and mute and solo like the different sections that you want. And so for us, it's really great because a, we tune down a half step for the sake of our singer and, you know, in long gigs and for the sake of us, I'm not a singer. I'm a terrible singer. Bring it down a whole step. I, you know, whatever, <laughs> like make it easier for me to hit it. But uh, because we have that, right. I can just go in there and be like, oh, I want to practice this song. So I'll just mute out all the guitars and mm-hmm. it takes like five seconds to download the MP3, pull it up and I'm on a helix and everything. So it's just going into my interface anyway. And I can sit here in headphones and practice yeah. day and night. Right. And because we all have the ability to do that and, and, you know, I'm big on making the differentiation between practice and rehearsal. Yeah. We needed to spend more time at rehearsal rehearsing. 
right? Things like getting our transitions between songs to be quicker, right? We tried it at the first gig where it's like, okay, first song ended. We got like an eight count. Next song kicks in. And there were some moments where things got a little hairy. And there were definitely some times where it was like, did we just skip a chorus and now we're off the track and somebody's got to kill it? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So like Brad and I are used to playing a tracks uh, because of church. Yeah. Right. Cause that's super common. We're used to having a voice in our ear telling us chorus two, three, four, you know, all that the other guys, not so much. And so we really needed to work on getting the transitions together and really making that happen to keep the show moving, you know, and just moving to, from song to song as quick as possible. And, and really, you know, that didn't happen so much in the first gig. And uh, so we learned that, you know, we learned a lot about really what we each need to listen to in our mixes, <laughs> you know, listening to your in-ear mix on a stage versus in a basement with a, with a drum shield around the drummer and everybody's like real tight together. You know, there's a lot of bleed even with the shield and, and it kind of changes things. And so I know that I at least learned a lot of things that I, little things that I need to do in my in-ear mix to make sure I'm hearing what I need to hear, Yeah, you know? And I think that our bass player, Chris, he and I both use, he's using a Stomp XL. I'm using a, a full Helix. <laughs> I think we both learned a lot about dialing in our tones a, a little better. That was one of the things I was absolutely terrified of was that, you know, all the advice I took and the, and the things I tried at home to make sure that everything sounded good was going to sound terrible when it got pumped full volume through, through a large PA system. Yeah. And luckily, you know, I asked the sound guy, the guys like, you know, how does it sound? Right. Is it, you know, is, is it terrible? He's like, yeah, it's a little thin. It's a little, this a little, I'm like, all right. So, you know, definitely some takeaways from that. But I mean, I think by and large, we just kind of, we just kind of went through it and it was like, you know, whatever happened, happened. There was an audience. Did they care? if 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 we sucked or not or if we skipped a chorus or if we missed a bridge or no you know i don't think anybody cared and i think it was good for us to get out there and have a first gig that went kind of halfway really well and halfway not so well mm -hmm. and i think one of the things that one of the big things that got that got picked up from that gig was our singer between that gig and the second gig got way better at interacting with the audience and I think part of that was the second gig was a much smaller venue. It wasn't outside. It was, it's not a huge stage. People are a lot closer. There's a little more of an intimate vibe, mm -hmm. but like he got way better at interacting with the crowd and, and really trying to draw people into the performance. Uh, yeah. And so I think that was a, a huge takeaway too. Well, um, he asked, he has a pretty good question. Did not get better. Yeah, we, we, we talked about that in the, in the Slack channel. You do, you do have to kind of like work through that, but like your singer had asked like, a question like how as a vocalist do you like do you find the the win in singing songs like that and i think that is something that does take a bit of an adjustment for people who aren't accustomed to that kind of work and it, it is the difference between like are you an artist or are you an are you an entertainer and being an entertainer requires a certain set of things that artists either don't worry about or haven't considered before so and and yeah it, it it's it's the it's the the energy thing that we've been talking about last week's youtube video was talking about you know being the thermostat not the thermometer well musicians yeah. are notoriously bad about being thermometers and uh, or being the thermostat but like in a bad way like i'm going to punish the people who not are here the room yeah. yeah 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 so and and yeah those things just take time and like you guys had said like you're still trying to learn how to like play in a group together with these people. And, um, 
but it's always interesting to see how things go, especially you know when you're going into it kind of dry as a as a new group and not necessarily like new players or beginners, but like you know you gotta you gotta build this dynamic. You've got to build this the operation, like what what works and what doesn't work, and and that's just you do that. It's the doing that makes that happen. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and you you and I have had conversations, you know, offline about some stuff, and like there's 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 still things that that are needing to you know be adjusted or tweaked or added or taken out so i mean it's a constant mm-hmm. process there's there's going to always be somewhere to go and you know luckily in your case it might mean that you get to start getting into the granular stuff and you know being more detail oriented about certain things where you're having conversations with people on the slack channel about the size of the you know the placeholder on top of the video that you're trying to link up with your Ableton session, you know there's definitely room for minutia. <laughs> right. Yes. Once you have the uh, once you yeah. have the systems in place. Yeah, so, for sure, there absolutely is. Yeah, it means that you know the first gig we didn't do anything crazy. The second gig we brought out a Mac Mini and hooked it up to the X32 and popped open a Pro Tool session and recorded everything. You know, start to get to do stuff like that once mm-hmm. you've got you know things in place. You know. Once you get a solid three and you know, that was kind of a big thing is like, you know, it just felt like this rush to get a solid, like three hours worth of music, Yeah, you know, for three sets. Right. And I feel like now that we've done that, we can really start to focus in on very specifically like, all right, what songs do we want? Like we, you know, we have a gig next Saturday. We're playing a private party with another band in town that, that we're friends with. Which is probably, and I just gotta, I gotta shout them out because they have one of the best names for a cover band ever. They're called Tarp because you know it's a cover. I get it. They're it's, a cover. They're I, they're know. a cover band. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, clever um, girls. Yes. But so, yeah, we're doing a, a you know a private party with these guys, and so we're already like you know all right we got all these other songs right we've played through them we've played through them a million times there's no need to go back and rehash you know did you nail this lick did you nail this bass part did you drop this beat are you on key are you like we all know you know because we because we recorded the last gig and we can all listen to it we all know what we need to work on you keep, there's no hiding it right so we're very deliberately being like all right here's what we're going to do we're going to add these three songs We're going to change the key on these two. Isaac, our singer, being a Nashville guy as well, put up Nashville number charts in our Google Drive and was like, here's how I want to try these. So we were like very specific. All right, we're going to do these two songs. We're going to change up the key on them. We're going to do this other song. That's what we're going to add in rehearsal next week. And that's what we're going to spend the whole rehearsal on. You know, so it's, you know, we are starting to be able to get into some of the smaller, like, let's focus. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say this, I don't know how we could get this out to, to folks, but the, the back channel that your band had with like the learn charts and the progress deals was so thorough and so well organized. I mean, that was like the first thing that Dan and I like jumped out. I was like, man, these guys are, you know, they've got their act together and, and in a way that like I hadn't even ever considered. So you actually, you taught me something in that. That that I, I I might be able to you know use for for my project. So you know I you guys definitely have that dialed right in. Well, and once yeah, you kind of get the um, systems done, you, it, you'll be able to do that faster. You'll be because you have the systems in place. It's just like anything else. You did the hard part up front. Yeah, it 
it's felt it has i mean you know it's felt like a long process it, it has felt like a long time of waiting to be like you know damn it can we just get out and play gigs <laughs> and you know because we all come from that you know we've all been there before you know before like there were modelers and in-ears and you know definitely played my shared gigs where we didn't even have monitors and you know that kind of stuff where you just like I'm going to throw up my amp, kick on the distortion pedal, and, you know, we're going to do this. I don't care if it's a metal zone sound or a, you know, a clon sound or whatever, right? You know, it doesn't matter. We're just going to play. Yeah. Right? And uh, so there was definitely like a, you know, can we just get to that point? But I think that doing all that prep work, you know, was invaluable. We've got a massive backlog of songs that we basically combed like the Billboard Top 100 for like, from like 1990 to like 2000. 10 or something like that mm -hmm. and just created this massive backlog and we try to do things you know if anybody else because our drummer brad has worked for software companies mostly his entire life he's more of a networking guy but you know there's a, a methodology called scrum mm -hmm. or agile and it's a it's a whole way of of working on projects and and one of its big things is you want to do the minimum change possible it's all about the smallest incremental change one thing at a time, change yeah. this thing, get that to work. Okay. Now move to the, and so we've kind of been approaching it that way. And I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. It allows us now to be like, we have the systems in place for how this works. Let's roll. Yeah. What's the next thing? Yeah. It will, it will absolutely serve you guys in the future. You know, you just got to get the, you got to get the, the plane under you. And you know, once that's done, I mean, you guys will be unstoppable. At least that's my opinion. That's, that's the plan, man. That's, yeah. you know, that's what we hope so. for sure. So tell, tell the, the folks about Cleveland because everything I know about Cleveland, Ohio, I learned from the Drew Carey show. So I feel like I might be missing some stuff. Well, if you know, the Drew Carey show, the theme song, the very first thing that he sings in the theme song is moon over Parma. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in, I'm in Parma right now. Okay. Uh, the suburb of Cleveland. So there's literally soon there will be a moon over Parma out my window, but uh, Cleveland's a great town, man. You know, historically people have, have been down on Cleveland for plenty of good reasons. Our sports teams are pretty terrible, except for one year, the Cavs did really well. Yeah. And then LeBron was like deuces. And so that <laughs> happened, but you know, it's, it's, it gets a lot of crap, but I will say this, there is, there is a killer music scene in Cleveland. The cost of the living is really low. There's great parks. You're right on the lake. I mean, you got Lake Erie right there. You want to go see? I mean, it's it gets a lot of crap, sometimes deservedly so, but it's a pretty good place to live. The winters get a little rough, but it's a great scene. Lots of bars. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's an old steel town. I mean, so there 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 are there are tons of bars and a lot of great neighborhoods and you're never short of places to play. And, uh, you know, great, great original band scene, great cover band scene, everything from acoustic duos to, you know, you know, bigger bands that do some crazy stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, I mean is, I the, is the pay okay? Like, would you say it's in line with um, other areas? Like, I mean, I would consider Cleveland a big-ish city, you know, not necessarily on the level of like Chicago necessarily, but like. You know, it's got a pretty large metropolitan area. You know, like what is the what is, what is the the economics of music there? So for 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 cover bands, it varies wildly. Okay, and at the end of the day, 
it's really about how much booze can you sell. It really is. I mean, you know, the way a lot of venues operate, you know, even if you've got an in, right? So like mm-hmm. the gig that we just played last week, we played at this place. I don't want to name it because I'm going to talk about money, but we, <laughs> we, we played, we played at this place that, that the three of us in the band had played at many times before. And it is an incredible venue. It's one of my favorite to play in town. And, you know, what we would normally get paid for that kind of gig, it was, we got paid a little bit less, mm-hmm. but it was like a foot in the door thing. And it's yep. not because it's not because of who we were, even though we knew people there and we had a history with the place. It was like, Hey, your project is new. It's not mm-hmm. you. That's new. It's your project. That's new. Sure. Right? And so, you know, it's like, we got the gig from a cancellation from another band, mm-hmm. which that's one thing I will totally give to the Cleveland scene is that as much as there's a lot of competition between bands around here, there's a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. You know, it's always like nobody really has a problem if it's like, Oh dude, we need a guitar player this weekend. Hey man, I'm not gigging. I can go play. My band won't care. Right. Or Hey, my band has to cancel because somebody's sick or this, that, or the other thing. Like, can somebody jump in for us? And that all gets worked out in the local Facebook groups and that kind yeah. of thing. And, you know, I think most towns are probably like that, but there's, there's a lot of camaraderie, but, but yeah. So, you know, we took a little less to get our foot in the door and that's kind of standard fare around here. And uh, I think that most bands though, it's not difficult to get anywhere between, you know, six to a thousand, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you can draw a crowd, right. Sure. There are still, there are still some places that you play for the door. Mm-hmm. In which case you really need to draw a crowd. But I think, I think by and large it it's, I think you could probably make more in bigger areas, but then again, your rents three times as much. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I think like, like most things it's relative, right? Yeah. But I think, I think it's a good scene. I think, I think it's getting better in that department. And I think that the more serious you are about it, you know, you're going to do better in terms of your paycheck. Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of live in these little bubbles as far as the, you know, the scenes that we're in. And so it's always good to know kind of where everybody is. And I mean, to be perfectly transparent, like in, in my market for the run of the mill bar gig cover bands. Yeah. Six to six to a grand is, is normal. And there are bands that are, making less than that, unfortunately, but there's also bands that are making a lot more because of the fact that they, they can pull people in. So, you know, it, it's as, as different as we all, cause I, I don't know how many times I've heard people go, well, your scene's not like my scene. And then we start talking through things and you're like, well, nah, actually they're, they're fairly similar. So people are people and bars are bars. I don't, you know, where, where, wherever you go, it's, yeah. I think it's probably going to be pretty similar and yeah i mean it's like that around here too you know there's that cup there's always those few bands in town that that have a huge following that always seem to do you know a lot better than other ones but i would say at the bare minimum this town's it's kind of like a hundred bucks a guy kind of town yeah you know at at the at the the lower level of it sure and as far as like bands in your scene like who is and, and I'm not trying to put people on blast. I'm trying to like, you know, just bring attention to people. Who would you say like in your lane of what it is you guys are trying to do is the, is the, the benchmark. Who's the, the band that you guys are kind of like, 
not necessarily like trying to take out, but like are are gunning for the kind of work that they're getting. They're gonna get me in trouble. No, no, these you're paying them a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what. There, there are a couple bands, and you know what? They're they're bands that we've all played with, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's a good gauge because, you know, and, and I'll name our our bass player used to be in a band called Billy Likes Soda. Okay. If everybody remembers Billy Madison, Billy likes to drink soda. Yeah, Miss exactly. Lippy's car is green. green. Yes. And they're really good. They do. They're a little more. They're a little more the aggressive kind of high energy, you know, grungier kind of take. I don't want to say grungier, but <laughs> alt rock pop punk, very 90s centric. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of seems to be the thing these days. Right. There's, you know, and I think that's just because of, you know, our age. Yep. You know, the age group of people playing in cover bands. It's, you know. It was a good decade for music. Sure. Um, but uh, those guys are really great. The band that I mentioned before that that our drummer now, Brad and myself, both used to play with the goods. Mm. They tend to do they tend to do some smaller kind of gigs. We used to play this restaurant like a half hour east of us all the time. And, you know, whether it was in the corner inside or on their back patio, it was kind of like a regular gig for us. And so they they, they tend to do a lot of that kind of stuff. And and they're really good. You know, they do a great song selection and a little bit of a different vibe because they're really their singers always playing his acoustic. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if you take a hard rock and song like we would do, like, are you going to go my way? Right. Yep. By uh, Lenny Kravitz. The acoustic is still there. Is there an acoustic in that song on the record? I don't think nope. so. But it was, you know, it was always there. And so it gets just a different vibe. Right. And the other one is uh, one that, that our drummer used to play with and that I've filled in with called uh, Bad Juju. And man, do those guys play like, I don't know that I could handle their schedule, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like sometimes they got like three show weekends and man, they're everywhere, but, but they're good. They got a a great guitar player, great drummer, killer front man. You know, their bass player's great. Does a good job, you know, managing that band and and keeping them gigging. And uh, they're, they're a little more on the hard rock edge. Yeah. Uh, You're going to get a little more, a little more grunge and you still get some of the poppy stuff. Good deal of the alt rock. Jeez, who else? I don't know. You know, Grunge DNA, I think, would probably be one of our, our biggest competitors. I don't personally know those guys, but uh, I've seen them play, and they definitely fall more on the, the grunge side of things, you know? So I think that's kind of, you know, those are kind of the guys that, that we're in league with. And that's why we're trying to find, we're trying to find this lane. We're trying to find this niche yep. of... Yeah, we do a little bit of the grunge. Yeah, we do a little of the hard rock, but we also want to be doing the pop and the, you know, all those things, right? So adding some Backstreet Boys songs and coming up with medleys and arrangements for some some more pop stuff and, and things like that. Just trying to kind of serve two masters, maybe. I don't know, but find a find our own unique little lane around all that. Nice. We don't want to step on anybody's toes. I'm not trying to take anybody else's gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that there's, I think there's plenty of bars in town and plenty of places for people to play. And I think that, you know, yeah, I think those are good bands to look at and for us to look at and be like, we want, you know, we want to get to that kind of level, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And we always talk about abundance and, you know, when, when you get work, you're not taking work away from somebody else. It's, you know, there's, there's plenty for everybody and it makes the, it make, you know, like you were saying, guys are willing to jump in and like help out and that kind of thing. And hopefully that sticks. And so when, you know, when I, when I talk about bands in our scene that, you know, have 
you know, certain things about their show or things that I aspire to, like uh, that's always going, that's, that's something you should have. You should have groups that you pay attention to, you know, to get ideas for your group and to figure out, you know, where to go next and what, what's working for them. So, you know, it's, it's a good exercise to just keep an eye on, you know, what's going on around you. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, and, and we all go get out and see these bands too, for the most part. I mean, Friday, our drummer's sitting in with the bad juju guys on a, on a gig for them. And, you know, my wife and I are going to drive down. They're playing like an hour away, but we're going to drive down, go see him, get some dinner. Usually somebody hands me an iPad and is like, hey, can you run? You know, I'm like, hey, my bartender, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just trying to have fun tonight. But but yeah, you know, yeah, we all support each other. And I think yeah. that that's I think that's important. I mean, you know, we, we've said it. It's been said in the in the in the uh, in the Slack chat and stuff you know iron sharpens iron rise and mm-hmm. tide lifts all ships blah blah, blah yeah. you know all that and it's it's true it's absolutely true chris r in the live chat says i know grunge dna those are good guys they so we, you got some you got nice. some folks in the in the community that are that are tuning in and oh, uh, very cool dropping in so i don't want to keep you we've been we've been at this for a, a little bit and i i definitely want to thank you for your time and your willingness to step into the shoes of dan but if anybody wanted to find out more about you or your bin what would be the best way for them to get in touch yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Creston Guitar, C-R-E-S-T-O-N Guitar, all one word. You can find our band, Alt95 Cleveland, you know, same thing, Facebook, Instagram, alt95cleveland.com. You know, we're trying to book shows for the fall and winter and to keep our thing going. And, you know, if if you're listening and you're around Cleveland and you see us out or whatever, drop us a line, say hi. We're friendly, I promise. But But yeah, man. And I just want to say thank you and, you know, thank you to Dan and, and also all the guys in, in the Slack channel and the Patreon Slack channel, super supportive group of dudes. And uh, yeah, just, you know, what you guys are doing, I think is a, is a real service to, to those of us who love to do this and, and, and pour a lot of energy and heart into it. And, and I think it's really cool, man. Oh, I appreciate that. And the, the, you and the guys in this community, you know, make doing this worthwhile it's 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 a lot of fun but like i said i mean we're learning stuff from from everybody so it's not just like it's not a it's not a one-way interaction like you know we we all benefit when we we share what we know and it's it's hard to get people to talk or to share things because they feel super they feel super kind of like worried or precious about the things that they've got and they don't want to they don't want to give that up chris just said hey message me on slack i have a couple of fall winter places to direct you to so we're making dreams happen. Nice. Hey, shoot me a message, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, yeah, very cool. Well, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and call it for this week. Big thanks to Creston and the guys on Alt 95 for loaning him to me this evening. But that is going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, you can email us coverbandconfidential@gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can tag us on social media. We are doing a, a merch giveaway. And if you want to support us in any other way, you can do any of the stuff that our buddy Adam from the Van Band is about to tell you. But that's going to do it for this week. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. And in Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Creston Heltzel. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of July 15th, 2022. Have an awesome week. And, and that's how, how you rock, rock more, more and suck less. And suck less. Hey, nice. listener. That's how this it's is done. Adam Moskowitz of the Van Band out of South Florida. Yes, another Adam. Adams are taking over the cover band scene. Get used to it. Sorry, Dan. On behalf of Cover Band Confidential, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Now, I know you want to support this cast. 
So this is how you do it. You subscribe, you leave a five-star review, you share this episode with your musician friends, and you throw a screenshot on your story. And you go ahead and you follow the podcast on all their socials. You got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them. These gentlemen, Adam Johnson of Members Only and Dan Ray of the Clinky Lincolns, have graciously given us vast amounts of great content. So as a thank you, go ahead and send them some green energy on their Patreon page. For real, send them some digital coins. And when you do that, you'll get access to the Slack back channel, which is just musicians and band leaders chatting about the craft of being in a performing cover band. The wins, the losses, the behind the scenes goodness. If you play at least once a month for money, all I'm saying is break off a few bucks for your favorite podcast that you always listen to. Any questions, comments, hit up the Facebook group, send a text or voicemail to their hotline. That's 404-491-0910. You can also email coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can find my band on Instagram, Facebook, at VAMBAND. That's V-A-M BAND. Do it. Seriously, I want to see that CBC bump. Or you can find everything you need at VAMBAND.com. We started in 2019. We play funk, pop, soul, R&B, Motown in Southeast Florida. I play guitar and backup vocals at Adam Moskowitz Music on IG. Also follow the CBC host on IG. That's at Adam Patrick Johnson and at Dan Ray Musician. Or visit CoverBandConfidential.com for all the goods. I'm going to go ahead and call it for Adam Moskowitz in Boca Raton, Florida. That was your outro bumper on Cover Band Confidential. Always be performing! Always be performing!